I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Maggie. She has superior mesenteric artery syndrome. Let's talk about it. So we're here with uh, Maggie Chrysler, and um, <laughs> um, but actually, uh, we are here with our new friend Maggie um, from the United States of America, and uh, and I'm excited for this conversation because we're going to be talking about something that um, that I don't think I I don't I don't I don't even I don't even know if I know how to pronounce. Um, okay. Maggie Maggie is a nurse, um, so we're in good hands, Brian. Thank God. If you start having a <laughs> I don't know a fucking aneurysm or something well we're virtual <laughs> then she can tell we're me virtual, what to do so she can challenge. tell me what to do there's lots of <laughs> things you're capable of via telemedicine <laughs> um but maggie's also maggie's not only a nurse she's a nurse a nurse with um with a bad tummy oh no but i think it's a, i think it's a little more extreme than just a bad, <laughs> just tummy. A bad tummy yeah um maggie uh please for a moment um, give yourself a nice little warm introduction to uh, the two of us and to our listeners. Um, who is Maggie? Hi, I'm Maggie. I am a nurse, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, I have multiple chronic illnesses, and some of them are pretty rare. I have a unique situation. So I have superior mesenteric artery syndrome. That's the one. That's the one I was yeah. like, what the fuck is that? So can you say it again? Soup. Superior, superior mesenteric, mesenteric yep. artery syndrome. Yes, it's mass. Smas. You got it. Smas. <laughs> do, you, do you call yeah. it smas or do you call it SMAS? I say SMAS or SMA syndrome, but you, you could say smas. There's some like charity merch that says like smashing skepticism. Smash SMAS. <laughs> it's, almost like a, it's almost like a like a speech impediment, like smashing it away, smashing, <laughs> smashing the skept- skepticism. <laughs> it's really smashing <cute>. stigma. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, so I cut you off. So you have smash, which we will get to, but you also said gastroparesis. Did you not? Yes. Okay, gastroparesis. Is I feel there, like we've we've talked yeah, about yeah gastroparesis, but yeah. like a lot of things that we've talked about, I I forget. So I would also like to get some clarification on that. Yeah. There's, at some point. We yeah, can sure. get there. <laughs> There's more though. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I felt like the list was going yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have um you could call it intestinal dysmotility to be kind of concise, but it really just for me is that my small intestine and my large intestine move things super, super slowly. So it's impaired motility in there. Whoa. And then I have pelvic floor disorder. So oh. it's all like all of my pelvic muscles are super tight and tense. So that contributes to problems with motility as well. Whoa. And then I have endometriosis, which caused the pelvic floor problems, which makes the GI stuff worse. And then I have psoriatic arthritis, but that's a little more common and not really what we're talking about today. Wow. Whoa. Fuck. That's are, so crazy. Are, are, are these things inter, like you, you mentioned that like the, um, the endometriosis has made, you know, yeah. the intestinal stuff worse 
But like, are they interlinked? Like, are they? There's gotta there, be intersections. Is there, there like for sure? Is there? But like, are they because of the same thing that's right. happening in your body, or are right. they just like all these things are unrelated? And you just I think the word you're looking for is like comorbidities. No, because a comorbidity would be like, like it is common that this thing happens with this thing. I guess. I guess. I think that's exactly what you just asked. <laughs> I, I guess, no, but I'm asking like more so like high level is the cause of all these things the I same see. thing? I see. I you see. Know, like, yeah. Like, is there something that's common about where they come from? Right. Or are they just not? So <laughs> potentially, my doctors don't really know. The best theory that we have is that I was born with SMAS. And then over time developed gastroparesis and motility issues kind of because of that. Mm. The psoriatic arthritis, they're not sure. And the endometriosis is kind of hard to say because it's a different specialty than GI. So my GI doctors don't know a ton about it. Yeah. But I know that endometriosis can cause things like constipation and diarrhea. Mm. So, and I did have endometriosis on my bowel when I had surgery. So I'm sure that that contribute. Wow. So you, you had the endo surgery, did you? I did. Yeah. It was a wow. five hour surgery. Wild. Whoa. Wild. I mean, we've talked about endo quite a bit on the podcast, uh, over the years. And it's one of those, it's just, it's one of those illnesses that, um, that just every time I hear about it, it just like, it never ceases to blow my mind. Dude, like uh, it's honestly, such, it's such a bummer. Endometrial cells are like my dog at the dog park. So like like when I take here we go folks when I take <laughs> here we go when I take because like, buckle up you know like when you, when how the people, fuck is a lazy river gonna inter, it gonna <laughs> make its way into this yeah, Brian? we don't have a lazy river yet <laughs> we might get there but but uh, it's funny because like if I don't take my dog to the dog park and let him run off leash for a little bit like he it went the day that I do he just goes into the woods Reeks and he's havoc. ripping around everywhere yeah. and he's going like going to places he shouldn't be yeah. and like is just having yeah. a time destroying the woods pulling sticks out yeah. running over other dogs shedding the woods one might say totally and yeah, it's yeah. like the endometrial cells just <laughs> yes, like going going to the places in your body you're not supposed to be causing all this havoc i kind of see i kind of see the dog yeah. park. all right maggie thoughts <laughs> thoughts on that analogy <laughs> I mean, I see where you're going. I see where it is. I've never you're, heard it described like that. God bless you. You're, you're a good not sport. Wrong inherently. I think the big you're difference is sport, that Maggie. the big difference is that it doesn't take me five hours to get my dog out of the dog park <laughs> yeah, that's, that's when he's in the places he shouldn't be. That's right. And it's not that um, painful. So okay, so let's. Uh, I I feel like I feel like we're too excited about this because we're we're diving into to uh, so many brand new territory. Yeah. Um, but when we okay, let's let's narrow it down to SMAS before we get into like the mm -hmm. personal side of things. Um, for a couple of dopes like us, give us a give us a rundown on you know in your in your own words, what is SMAS? So yeah, it's when. Basically, two of my arteries are too close together, and so they're crushing my small intestine in between them. So Holy then it's hard for things to get through. Whoa. What? Holy fuck. How does that even work? My mind's blown right now. So hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Your internal organs, a and like in particular, a couple, of, a couple of specific ones are too, are, are basically smushing your your digestive system a little too, like it's too cramped in there. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Okay. Hold, hold the phone. For go a ahead. 
I'm a bit confused Wait, here. Did, did you say your arteries are smushing your intestines? Yeah. Okay, not the organs. Sorry, sorry. That, so arteries, that, not organs. But wait, how do you, okay, okay, how okay. big are arteries? Like, like when I think of the yeah. arteries. Well, <laughs> in this yeah. case, it's the aorta and the SMA, which are pretty big. <laughs> okay. As far as blood vessels go. Holy shit. Okay, so, so. I need, so does I need that, like a picture. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I, that's exa- I, I mean, you can I'm Google go- a picture. I'm I almost Googling sent you guys right one, but I forgot. I'm Googling but, it right now. Okay. So so essentially, oh, oh, wow. Okay, I, I see, I see. Okay, so so at first I had the wrong idea. At first I thought you said that your organs were smushing it, and I was going to go down the road of like, wait a fucking second. I thought I thought all the organs were just smushing into each other, and we, they just fit in our bodies <laughs> like, you know, like, um, uh, what's his name, Mr. Potato head, but not Mr. Potato Head, the surgery guy. What game was that? Operation. Operation, thanks. Yeah. Um, but we're talking about the arteries, right? So the 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 highways for the the for the the, the blood cardiovascular system running mm-hmm. through the body. And and they so so is it that they are enlarged in your body? So like the reason I don't have SMAS is because my arteries are just a you know, a, a common size, um, yet yours are, are sort of like over, you know, overgrown arteries. What's happening there? No, so they're not enlarged. Um, it's basically that your descending aorta comes down from your heart. And I know this is audio so that people can't see me, but I'll show you with my fingers. Yeah. So if this is your aorta coming down, then branching off your aorta at an angle is your SMA. Right. And your um, small intestine passes in between there. So mine, the angle in between the arteries is too small. So they're Whoa. instead of being open, okay. they're closed. Right. Okay. Crazy. Okay. So, so here, here we go. Yeah. There was a lazy river. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> God damn it. That happened to be branching off in two directions. Yeah. But <laughs> the branch of which they branched off in was actually really close together. So like you could, like if I was in a tube and I was going down one side and you were in a tube and you're going on the other side, we'd be really close together. We could probably reach out and high five. Yeah. Like there are, yeah. our lazy river rivers would be yeah. so close together that it would be very difficult for like a tree to grow between or mm-hmm. an intestine to yeah. sit between. I think, I think, yeah. a, I think a better analogy here and and this might actually help because for myself personally, I'm I'm I am a I'm a visual learner, so that really helped with your the way that you showed us with your fingers. For folks that that are in the same boat as me and sort of the same tube as you. <laughs> All right, sure, sure. I'll go down this river with you. Uh, in the same tube as me and need the visual. I feel like this might help. So, like, just envision, envision um, a dad at the playground, and he's standing with his legs spread apart a little wide and he's playing a game with his like toddler saying, go under the bridge. And the kid goes under the bridge up between his legs. Yeah. And he runs like back and forth under the bridge. So that's, that, that's my, um, that's my, uh, digestive tract. My digestive digestive tract is the kid and my, um, my arteries that are the legs of the dad. Now the dad, if he decides to, cl- when the kid's walking through, close his legs and crush his child, so that his child cannot operate and function properly? That's smash. That's smash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I fucking hate us. Uh, so, okay, well, th- so, so that's... So, 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 so what? So is it... So, so I <laughs> so actually, I, I want to know specifically the, the part that's being smushed. Um, 
is it your is it your your small intestine or is it your your colon? It's my small intestine. So it's my um, duodenum, the first part of your small intestine. It's the end of the first part of your small intestine. Got it. Got it. Okay. The duodenum. Um, and now is the is the duodenum? Uh, no, that no. Okay, I'm confusing the duodenum with the ileocecal valve, which is where the the small intestine and the large intestine connect. So it's it's a little bit further up the track. Yeah, depends. It's like right at the beginning of your small intestine. Up is towards the mouth, Brian. Towards the stomach. Yeah, yeah, or or that. Yeah, I okay. mean, that's up too. So, yeah. so wait. So, and uh, I I said uh, about a minute ago. So what? I I mean that in the sense that like what, yeah, right. So like what? What does that do? What is? Yeah, what's bad about that? Like what happens? So basically, if I eat something or even really drink something, it gets to that point, and then there's like a bottlenecking effect. It can't get through, and then everything builds up, and then I puke. This uh, yeah, this sounds like um. I mean, it sounds like like a, a version of a bowel obstruction. Yeah, it's a partial obstruction. Yeah. Jesus Christ! Now, okay, I'm going to ask you something that's that's pretty gross. Go um, for it. But I know, but you're a nurse, so you've probably dealt with this shit yeah. at some point. Or at least heard about it. Um, I know that I know that with like you know. So I've, I'm I'm no stranger to bowel obstructions. I've had um, a, I mean I've had countless over the span of my life, and and I've had um, in, intussusception, which is you know where at the ileocecal valve, it, the the small intestine starts to get like dragged into the the colon. Um, yeah. Now I know from bowel obstructions that there is a I, this never happened to me, but I think this is kind of this is not so uncommon in, in really elderly folks who get bad um, uh, um, bowel obstructions where the basically it's it's like the the obstruction backs up so far that you're you're basically pooping out of your mouth is that is that so, like a do, do you run the risk of that or or am I making that up so no 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 you're not making it up I don't have the risk for that because with SMAS it's so far up your intestine that there's poop there doesn't even turn the into bile. Poop. I yeah, could right. puke bile. Yeah, right. But wow. yeah, it hasn't turned into poop yet. So do no. you do you wow. like is one um symptom that like if you're laying down and sleeping, you get so backed up that like you start to get like indigestion acid and reflux. heartburn and a- acid yeah. reflux? Yeah. Definitely. Fuck. Okay, yeah. so okay, so I feel like we have a good grasp on like the basic understanding of what SMAS is. What does it look like? How does it present for you? Um, you know, I, I like. Do you have to be careful about what you eat, or like, what's your day to day? Like, what is what is what does it look like for you? I guess. Yeah. So I actually have an extremely restrictive diet, and I can't get enough nutrition eating. So I am on IV nutrition called Total Parenteral Nutrition. Parenteral just means IV. Um, so I, yeah, I do infusions. I used to do it every day. Now I'm down to a couple times a week because I'm taking in some things orally, but I've also had surgery for the SMAS and on a lot of medications for the other GI stuff. Holy so shit. that has helped, wow. but I have a lot of stomach pain all the time oh. and I get nauseous a lot. I don't tend to throw up anymore because I just know my tolerance really well. And I know if I keep, you know, drinking this, I'm going to throw up. So I stopped. Wow. But theoretically, if I kept going, yes, I would puke. Holy shit. Maggie, you, you mentioned that, um, uh, I think you said your, your GI, um, was saying that, you know, you likely had the, the smash is what, you know, led to this thing being worse and this thing happening and so on. Um, did like, when were you first diagnosed with smash? 
So it was a few years ago. I think I was like 24 at the time. So five years ago. Um, And it was interesting because I suddenly just like was having a lot of stomach pain. I thought I had a GI bug, like, oh, it'll pass. It never did. I was throwing up. I couldn't eat. Food was getting like harder and harder to tolerate. And so I kept going to the GI doctor and they did some tests, didn't find anything, said, you know, maybe it'll go away in a few weeks. It didn't. And then went down that whole rabbit hole. Um, But yes, SMAS tends to be something you're born with. Having talked to more GI doctors now and been asked about the, like, if I had any symptoms prior to that, I was thinking back and I really did my whole life have stomach aches and some nausea, but I just managed it. I just Mm. was eating more frequent meals that were smaller instead of eating like three big meals a day. Mm -hmm. And for a while that worked until it didn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. Wow, man. I, so man, fuck every time we've ever like talked to folks where, they are dealing with an issue with their GI tract and it, and, and, you know, they end up in a position like you are in where basically, um, due to, due to the way that their body works, they aren't really capable of having a relationship to food that, you know, the majority of the population on earth has. And it, never ceases to blow my mind just the thought of how like how and I I don't want you to take this the wrong way but how difficult that would be like if all of a sudden today you told me all right JR listen shit's so fucked up in your guts that you you're not gonna be able to eat anymore And, and okay actually you'll be able to eat but it's like really really limited and the majority of your nutrition is actually going to come from IV. Um, you know, we're going we're gonna to hook you up to an IV or we're going to hook you up to whatever, a feeding tube, and it's going to work that way. But, like, you're never really going to sit down again and enjoy, like, a Thanksgiving dinner with your family. Mm-hmm. Or you're never going to, like, you know, sit down and, and watch a night of, of fights with the, with the guys and order a Domino's pizza or, you know, yada, yada, whatever. The list goes on and on and on. Food is such an integral part of the way that we that we relate to other humans. It's, it, it is like, it is one of the, it is one of the like key factors of, of social interaction. Everything surrounds food. Like everything surrounds dining with friends. And it's like, it, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a huge, it, it's the, it's the, it's the version of like, of apes sitting down and picking the, you know, picking the, the, like the bits out of their, out of their, out of their fur, out of their hair. It's a really important part of social um, development and and social belonging and social you know connectedness. And so, and Maggie, you don't have that. Like you've had that taken away from you. Um, so you have know, you? Like have you had that taken away from you? Yeah, a hundred percent. There was a long while I didn't eat or drink anything, um, and now I'm doing some things, but I can't do actual meals. I can yeah. drink chicken broth or bone broth. I can have like a little bit of white rice or like maybe a potato, <laughs> but yeah. that's really the extent of it. And I'm really glad you said that 
because it's so true. And a lot of people don't really get that when I yeah. talk to them. I've had the opposite reaction of people being like, whoa, you're fed through an IV. That's so cool. That's so futuristic. <laughs> right. I'm like, no, right. it, it's really not. Right. You have no fucking idea. Yeah. I mean, like I, the so, Jetsons. I mean, you know, I, I can imagine <laughs> that there's, there's a massive emotional mental toll that comes with that. And, and I would love to unpack that. Um, but before we do, I'm I'm curious about the way that you that you um, I guess rationalize that reality or or manage that reality. I mean, like I I think that if I was to put myself in a position that you are in, which is so hard for me to imagine doing because it, it, this is such a foreign thing. But let's say let's say I had to be in the same position as you today. I think the way that I would probably try to like rationalize it is in the similar way that I would see, you know, like a friend of ours who decided, you know what, like alcohol, just it's, it's not good for me. I'm going to quit completely, but also I don't want to miss out on hanging out with you guys. So I'm going to come to the bar and I'm going to hang out and it's going to be hard because you're all going to be drinking in front of me, but I'm going to have the willpower to say no. And it, and I'm still going to be able to find a way to enjoy that experience without you know, without partaking in the, in the, you know, the sociables. Is that kind of the, I mean, is that the way you sort of have to look at it? Like, or, or, do, or, you know, it, is it, is it much harder than that because of the, because of the, the, the integral, I mean, alcohol, we don't need alcohol to survive. So, so like, I know that those two things are not the same. Um, but you know, how do you, how do you wrap your head around it? How do you manage it? Yeah. So it is similar to that. I do try to still go to things. I have really good friends that always try to include me, even if there's, you know, even if it's centered around food, they're like, do you want to come? Like we can see if you could bring your own stuff or like if we're going out to a restaurant, like I'll just get water or something. It is weird, but yeah, I do kind of have to rationalize it that way. It's similar. I would say the biggest difference is that, um, I don't think with alcohol, there's a smell issue. Whereas if I smell really good food, I still get cravings all the time. Mm -hmm. I never feel hungry because my stomach just hurts, but I get cravings all the time. And it is very difficult. God it's damn it. so God. hard. Wait, wait, it's like wait, you're a vampire. Wait, wait. It's, like, it's like you're a vampire. It's <laughs> like vampires can't eat what? food. What? They'll get really, really sick. <laughs> but like... If you're a vampire, you're still gonna you're still gonna smell the food. You're still gonna look at the food. You're still gonna go, God damn, I missed that food. But now I gotta eat a fucking rat. I'm really I gotta eat a rat so that I don't kill an innocent human. No. You know, uh, I'm really I'm really curious about the the cravings. Like, what do, what do you tend to crave? And and like, are these foods that you've tasted before? Yeah. Dude, she ate I until ate she was fucking 24. Much, yeah. <laughs> right. So I, and also you want to know something ironic. My dad's a chef. Oh. No. <laughs> and, and like, what kind it's of chef sucks. are we talking? Like a Denny's chef or like a, like a. <laughs> no, no, like, no. He, yeah. Like a, he's an executive chef at a small business. Oh, yeah. fucking like ratatouille. So he makes the greatest food. <laughs> yeah. And he knows oh, everything I like. So my whole life, he would just make my favorite foods all the time. Yeah. And I was like, we connected a lot on that. And now it's like, as mm. an adult, he couldn't even really teach me to cook because I can't eat it. So like, what's the yeah. use? Do you do? I, and again, like, I, 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 I don't want any of these questions to come across as like insensitive because I, I really am not. That's not my intention whatsoever. But again, it's one of those things that's so foreign to me, so fascinating to me as well. Um, do you ever? Do you ever find yourself in a position of like, of going, okay, I know I can't eat it, but I can still taste it. You know, like, do you ever? Do you ever yes. like like? 
take, I don't know, like a, like like a fucking fresh cooked, then, like a, a good cooked salmon and just like rip the crispy skin off and chew on that for a bit. And then, and then spit it into a spittoon. Yeah, spit it into a fucking reject bucket or whatever. Yeah. I have done that. I used to do that. I used to also, this is even kind of like grosser, but I used to sometimes be like, I'm just going to eat it and throw it up. It's right. fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just know I'm going to throw up. Yeah. But I don't really do that anymore because um, throwing up a lot is not good for your esophagus. My doctors have yeah. kind of discouraged that behavior. Mm. But yeah, sometimes I do taste foods. I don't do it as much anymore because um, I would challenge anybody to eat food without swallowing it. It is very difficult. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm, I'm curious, Maggie. Um, I'm wondering if there is, and if you're comfortable about talking about um, eating disorders and and mm-hmm. if there's any relationship to um, a SMAS in the sense that like obviously you know, both things are food related completely different in terms of like of like um, you know where they come from and how they how they present and the things that are happening in your body is there a relationship to the mental side of how you relate to food and like for example throwing up or right. um you know like going out and eating and socializing and, and the feelings around food are there is, are there similarities between the experiences yeah i mean i have um like disordered eating because of all of this like my relationship to food is like altered mm. but i don't have an eating disorder like anorexia or bulimia but i could imagine that it is similar because you can't avoid food. Mm. You have to be around it. And also being on IV nutrition is not really meant to be long-term. So Mm. uh, your doctors will kind of be like, if you can get off of it or lessen your dependence on it, that's good. So you are encouraged to try. But if I'm trying to get calories and nutrition from food to replace the IV, I have to be really, really strict with what I eat because if I eat something that I shouldn't and won't make me throw up, then I'm sick for three days and Mm. I can't eat anything those three days. So then I need more IV nutrition. Right. What are the, like, how does it work? Like, what are those things? Cause like, I'm, I, you know, again, again, like I, I, earlier I referred to like, um, like, like, um, fuck, what's it called? The, the, the feeding tube. There's a name for it. NJ and G. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. And NG. Um, yeah. That wouldn't work for you, I guess. Right. Like, because that's. So kind of, if you have just SMAS an NJ tube will work for you a nasogegenal food uh, feeding tube, because it goes into your jejunum, which is past your duodenum. Oh. That's like the middle of your small intestine. I have tried that. It has not worked for me, but presumably because I have motility issues in my intestines as well. So it doesn't matter what part of my GI tract we feed, it's still going to move way too slow. 
God damn, dude. Oh, crazy. Fuck. So then yeah. what can, like if if they're going, look, you know, the IV way isn't really the the long-term solution here. You got to you got to like kind of work your way towards it. How do you how do you work towards that? Like are we talking like small sips of of like boost or like what is it that you got to put in your system and how do you put it in your system without backing up the system? Yeah, so liquids definitely better. Um, I do try to do like nutritional drinks or like protein drinks. They're very hard on my stomach and it, it hurts a lot and it does make me nauseous, but I try to do it. I also have a really good medical team now. Um, in the beginning, all the doctors were just telling me, you have to get off TPN. You have to get off TPN. You can't, you can't just stay on IV nutrition forever. And now my doctors are kind of like, if that is realistic for you, that's great. And if you can get there, that's great. But if you can't, we're going to continue giving you the IV nutrition because you need to stay nourished to stay alive, basically. Right. So my doctor is really, really great about that. But a lot of doctors would disagree with that plan. Maggie, can you, oh, can you, oh, can you so clarify? So like, like one thing that I'm trying to wrap my head around is so like you obviously you were you were eating little meals and trying to manage this based on like you know what you were the the feedback that you were getting from your body just as a human being growing up up until you were 24 years old and then you got this diagnosis because obviously something was going on in your body that was not making sense like how how bad did things get and like if you were able to live up to 24 years old by like eating small bits of things and that was like, I don't know, kind of getting you, you by until these complications got worse and worse. Um, like how it's, it almost seems in my mind, like, like, Oh, it seems like a stark contrast of like being able to eat small meals to like now being just on this like IV nutrition and, and trying to manage eating that way. So like, can you explain to us like how that, worked like how did that transition go from being able to eat a little bit to now just being on tpn yeah so part of it is with um smas there is a little ball of fat that sits between your arteries and in my case mine is too small it also gets smaller when you lose a lot of weight so when i had difficulty eating i lost weight And that made the problem worse. It made my intestine more squished. So then I had more symptoms and it was like, you know, a bad feedback loop. Mm -hmm. So I don't know really what triggered my symptoms getting worse in the first place. Um, There's not a lot of good theories, but it just kind of happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what caused it to get worse, but once it got worse, it was in that feedback loop. So it was just losing more weight, symptoms getting worse, therefore eating less, therefore losing more weight, symptoms getting worse. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think your doctors are, are nervous that with uh, total nutrition, like, I mean, we've seen this similarly with like, uh, not to like trivialize the, the, the Ozempic diabetes thing, but like, mm. you know, people are taking Ozempic because uh, it helps uh, promote weight loss people with diabetes need Ozempic um, and they were concerned about the Ozempic supply. Are your doctors worried that like, because total nutrition is called total nutrition, 
that CrossFitters are going to start trying to use it <laughs> because like Fuck total Christ. nutrition sounds fucking cool. And I know that when I was doing CrossFit, that might be something that like might sound like something I might be into. <laughs> um, well, no, because you need to, it needs to be prescribed by a doctor and no doctor in their right mind would prescribe <laughs> it to someone who didn't absolutely need it. Cause it's actually very bad for your body. It's very, very harsh on your liver. So like, that's why it's not really a long-term mm. solution right. because it's so harsh on your liver that once you like, once your liver is shot, you either need a transplant or you die. So. What, like, what the fuck is it? You know, like, it, it's obviously not like just because it's IV, it's going in your, it's going mm. in your veins. So it's not like, it's not like Soylent where it's just like something that you just dr <laughs> like, like drink. Um, so like, what the fuck is TPN? Like, how so it's basically um, the things that you would get from food broken down to their most basic forms. So instead of full fats, it's lipids, which are like the building blocks that make up fats. Like a bunch of lipids together make up a fat. Right. So it's broken down. And then like amino acids make protein. So there's amino acids in there. There's um, dextrose, which is like IV sugar, basically, for right. carbs. Right. And then you add like a multivitamin to it. Sounds like IV homeopathy. <laughs> just distilling everything down distilling everything down all the way down it's all until there's down. nothing left <laughs> so that they're all at one part per million of water jk jk um <laughs> uh but i so okay that's that's really the really interesting um have you like what does it you know is this something like have you ever tasted it, it, it does it have a taste um i have not tasted it it smells terrible oh my oh, god really? it smells rancid if it spills on anything it's it's done i it, i got a pillow covered in because my infusion leaked overnight i had to throw it out i was like no it way. can't be saved what it like it's, it's funny can you describe it's white, the smell so it doesn't stain um it's a little bit vinegary but also just kind of it like like rancid vinegar if that makes sense Ooh, do you yeah. do you have yeah. times I, that I, you I could eat like that for a second there <laughs> do you uh <laughs> do, do you like typically eat at certain times like, do I um, nutrition at certain times? Yeah, inject so, at certain times, yeah. I guess. Pump. Yeah. What do you so, What do you call it? Do you go? I, I gotta go. I mean, do you say I gotta go eat, or do you say I gotta go no, fill I up, say, or eat? I say I have to set up an infusion. That's <laughs> yeah, usually what I'm yeah, saying. Right. I got to infuse. Um, yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so I do my infusions overnight because mm. it's ten hours long. Originally, when you start on TPN, well, first. You can't start just on TPN. You have to start on like fluids and electrolytes first because if you give your body too much nutrition after not having any for so long, um, it can cause something called refeeding syndrome, which could potentially be deadly. Whoa. It usually is not nowadays. We catch it and fix it, but your electrolytes basically get all out of whack. And then that can cause problems with your heart. Whoa. So. so Refeed. Yeah, it's like you have to bridge to TPN. You have to start on IV fluids and add in electrolytes, and then they add oh. like a little bit of amino acids and a little bit of lipids, and then you work your way up until you get on your normal infusion. Yeah. But when you start, it's a 24-hour infusion, and you just disconnect once a day and connect to the right. next thing. Wait, wait, wait. So do they like like when you're getting these for the first time, and they're like, the, you go to the doctor, and they're like, okay, listen, Maggie, like you're gonna have to do this thing now. You know, for this indeterminate amount of time, um, we're going to start you on these electrolytes and then you're going to like slowly transfer over to these different concoctions. Um, 
do they send you home with like a kit of like different infusions and no, stuff and then so, you do it or you're you in the hospital? <laughs> yeah, you're almost always in the hospital. I am a weird case because I was not in the hospital because partially because I'm a nurse. Um, and my doctor was like, I trust, you know, what to look for. Mm. So, you know, it's fine. But so I had an appointment with this doctor that does TPN. And that's like, all he does is he has long term TPN patients and short term, but mostly long term TPN patients. And I went into his office, he did his assessment. And he's like, yeah, you need something today where you're getting a pick line today. Whoa. And I was like, oh, okay. But I had just gotten out of the hospital. And the only reason they released me from the hospital was because I was very unstable, but they were like, I had to go to an appointment with a specialist who knows about SMAS and he wasn't at the hospital I was at. So they're like, we're just going to keep you until you have to leave to go to that appointment. And then I went there and he was like, yeah, you need TPN. So then I had to go to a TPN doctor and he was like, yeah, you are so malnourished and dehydrated. You need something today. And I was like, please don't make me go back to the hospital. I just got out. He's like, you're a nurse, you know what to look for. He reviewed everything with me. And then um, I went home and someone came to my house, put in a pick line. And then I got a delivery from an infusion company that sends supplies and stuff of IV fluids and electrolytes. And right. then they have somebody draw labs every day for the first couple weeks. And those people are coming to your house to like take those samples and yeah. stuff? Wow. Whoa, so crazy. So um, uh, just, just to clarify... Are you, are you chronically, do you chronically have a pick line in or, yep. or did they move to a port? No, I have a pick line. I was just talking to a nurse about this yesterday. Um, fuck, that seems I'm like, a weird case. that seems weird. Yeah. It is weird. But so I've talked to my doctor about like a port or a Hickman or something mm -hmm. a couple of times. And he's spoken to some vascular experts that he works with. And he basically said with the pick line that I have now, because I had so many issues when I first had pick lines, I was septic like nine or 10 times. Sure. What? And yeah, yeah, because like, yeah. like, so I, I mean, just, just for context for people who aren't familiar and you're the nurse, I'm not. Um, so please <laughs> jump, please jump in if, if I'm like fucking this up, but a pick line. So, so, so if you, if you're admitted to the hospital and you're in the hospital for say like a month, well, you're like, I mean, if I'm in the hospital for two weeks, let's put it that, let's put it that way. The first for me personally, when I'm in there for two weeks, I'm, I'm going to be on IV the entire time. And they, and for two weeks, IV, not a problem. Like they'll come in every few days and change the IV for a new IV. Now, not a problem for like most people. For me, big fucking problem because I have a massive, massive phobia of intravenous needles. So I, I kick up a whole fucking whack of like, controversy when I go in for a two-week admission because I go, motherfuckers, you're not putting an IV in me. You're putting a pick line in me. And here's the reason why, because I don't want you fucking touching me any more than I need you to. <laughs> so the pick line will go in and the pick line will sit in there for like two weeks. And they don't, they Where don't do have, they put the pick line in. They put it through into your, um, uh, like the upper arm on the inside of your bicep. Maggie, do almost. you have yours right now? Yeah, right yeah. there. Okay. So, so, so the line would go into your arm and your upper arm like between your elbow and your armpit, and it would run a central line to your heart. So, so you get the medicine, whatever you know, whatever it is that they're feeding you, um, it, it goes right to the right to the the heart to be pumped. And then your heart the, blasted out to the rest of your body. That's right. Yeah. How now, long have you had that pick but, line? But, in but, for but me? let me just say, two two to three weeks with a pick line, 
from what I've understood, you're going to want to, you're going to want to change that out. You're going to, eventually you're going to want to change to a new pick line because it can, you run the risk of getting really sick, like being, you know, going yeah. septic. Why? And that's why, that's why people who in, in most of the time in Maggie's position would have a port because a port can stand there for whatever, fucking five years, or I, I actually don't know how long a port can exist, but I'm guessing, you know, an, yeah. at least a yeah, year, year or two um, where you don't have to fuck around but, and change it out. But obviously the super smart medical professionals have decided that the pick line, Maggie, for you makes more sense. Why, like why? That's, that's why. Why, yeah. why is that? So there's the main reason is um, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's kind of what we're doing with me right now. So I am a very weird case. I don't think any healthcare professional I've ever talked to has met somebody, or I guess you guys probably haven't met somebody who has had a pick line, the same pick line for multiple years. How long has that been in you? This has been in since 2019. What? what? Yeah, that's Whoa. highly unusual. Highly that is unusual. so wild. Usually, usually a pick line only stays in for a year max. But because I had so many issues with pick lines in the beginning, my doctors are like, we're not going to touch it unless it needs to be taken out. The other reason is that, um, oh my God, I lost my train of thought. That's okay. Well, well, as that comes back, even a year, even a year of a pick line and that, that like, I didn't know, I didn't know it could be in that long. I thought it was like a, you know, like a month and then they got to switch it. But Fucking 2019. That's so crazy. Yeah. I, have, I have a quick, I have a quick question. You said, you said that they, they said like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it sort of, sort of thing. But you also mentioned that you went like basically went septic nine or 10 times. So yeah. what, like, was that before this one was working? And then they were like, oh, we finally got it to a point where you're not going septic. So like, that's yeah. the, okay. Wow. Yeah. So I, this is my like third or fourth pick line. They didn't change it out every time because they never, my blood cultures never grew any bacteria. Right. So they were like, you're septic. You're clearly septic. Like I was in ICU, but you, your blood cultures aren't growing any bacteria. So we can't find the infection. But Whoa. my doctor was like, I have seen occasionally people have line infections and not their, their blood cultures don't grow anything. So Whoa. he feels really strongly that it was a line infection every time. So how, because how, like- it, yeah, sorry, sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to cut you off there. I, no, like go how, ahead. how, 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 like, obsessive do you get about cleaning that fucking thing? Like, do, like, do you? I mean, you're a nurse. You know how to clean the, you know, how to clean yeah. the, the area and stuff. Like, so do you clean it quite, quite frequently? Yeah. So I, um, I always like, I'm very, very careful with it. I'm very on time with my dressing changes. I never let it go more than seven days, and I'm very, um. I'm a little bit of like, cause I can't reach with both my arms to do the dressing change. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I have to have a nurse come do it, but I know how to do it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm like hovering. I'm like looking over. I'm like, do you, uh, did you clean that? Yeah. Okay. You got it. Good. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Very annoying. <laughs> yeah. Um, about it. Oh, good for you though. You, as you should be. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. you, you know, you know what you're doing, you know what to do. Do you have I, the same nurses coming and doing it? Frequently, yeah, or? pretty much. I've changed nurses a couple of times, but for the most part, like I'll have somebody for like a long period of time. That's cool. So you get to like they get to know like obviously the fact that you're like, yeah. hey, listen, you know, I'm very particular about this, and yeah. you need to yeah. do it properly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I remembered the other reason we didn't change it out is because um, my doctor said with 
somebody who needs long-term IV access, you don't want to keep using up veins. So if they take this one out, they have to put one back in in a different vein. Right. And right. sometimes when you've had a line in that vein for a long period of time, it builds up scar tissue. Right. And then you can't use that for a central line anymore. And you only have so many veins that can be hospitable to a central line. Yeah. So he doesn't want to keep using up veins and then run out. Damn. Man, fucking crazy. You, I'm, I'm getting you, like, I'm getting uh, PTSD have flashbacks. They, have they said um, like how long, like have you got any feedback on like how long you might be able to keep this pick line in or what the life Fuck, going at this rate, is? 20 years probably. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> So again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They're not going to take it out unless I either don't need it anymore or I get a blood clot or I become septic. I've got a weird question that, Mm -hmm. that maybe there has not been any thought put into this whatsoever, but um, I was just thinking, I was just thinking about like evolutionarily, we like we as humans have um, the other day, uh, donut, my dog, excuse me, don't at my dog who's sleeping here. Um, he has this bone at home and he'll chew that bone. Like he'll be grinding on that bone. And I don't know if you're like, I know Rupert does too. Like if you give him a bone, it, have you ever sat and thought like, holy fuck, dude, how on earth can your teeth handle yeah. the grind on that very, very hard piece of like f- fucking cow bone or whatever or antler or whatever the, fuck. One, the one that makes me feel even it's more crazy. cringy is them pulling on like the cloth toys when you're pulling sure yeah yeah sure but i mean it's hard on the teeth the reason they can just makes you yeah but the reason they can do that is because their, their teeth are so fucking strong and their teeth are so fucking strong because they're chewing on their bone and their <laughs> dogs and that's what dogs do like dogs were dogs still have to chew they still have to fucking but we're feeding them kibble right and and so like over time if we don't give them those bones and we just keep feeding them fucking kibble then their teeth are going to wear down and they're going to become these weird fucking soft beta teeth like we have they're going to look like human humans. teeth yeah like and humans human teeth are the way that they are because we have evolved to cook our food and we don't we don't have to chew through bone and we don't have to like tear through gristle making so many kale smoothies we have the, we like we have we have like dumbed down our teeth because we eat such soft supple cooked things you don't eat anything mm-hmm. right so like what's happened like is there thought I, I mean or or maybe it's you know maybe evolutionary you're not <laughs> so gonna are you chewing on bones <laughs> yeah <laughs> or what well, well like like do you have a discussion about like hey this actually might fuck your teeth up over over time because because they're so weak or your jaw strength will like you know be detrimental to f- for headaches or like fuck i don't know i don't know yes a hundred percent so i've had those issues so um I don't know a ton about like teeth, but I know that nutrition plays a huge part in them. And if you are in calcium, sometimes your teeth are weaker. And because I was malnourished for so long, my teeth are not very strong. Mm. Um, and they have a lot of cavities, but also weird things happen. Like I had a toothache and like my whole jaw was hurting. So I go to the dentist and I was like, yeah, I have this toothache. She goes, does it hurt when you chew? I said, no, I don't chew. And she goes, you don't chew your food. You go, nope, I just, <laughs> like, I just actually, no. suck it up. 
<laughs> yeah. And then I explained the medical situation and she just looked to be like, this is above my pay grade. I'm just here to clean your teeth. <laughs> that is really funny because uh, like, yeah. like that's like, so, you don't I chew mean, your food, dentist, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's such a safe question for a dentist to assume that you eat food. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. This girl's got a bunch of cavities. She must just be crunching down on candy every like, day. Oh, fuck. I really like now I got to yeah. be aware of the people who come in here are not chewers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I do get jaw pain too. If I eat like something more solid, like potato or rice, after like a few minutes, I'm like, oh, my jaw hurts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like I was gonna say, like there's, you know, there's there's like these products out there that are like meant to strengthen your 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 jaw, your you know your your mouth muscles and your jaw muscles. Like they would probably be of benefit to you to like you know they're they're, they're basically it's basically a rubber ball mouthpiece that the jawser size the big the, Hollywood that's thing. it it's called the jawser size and you go <laughs> and you just fucking bounce down on this like one. bouncy ball and it gives you it gives you a chiseled jawline like uh, like Channing Tatum honestly I'll try it I will report back <laughs> yeah. man what really what a wild hey, so, uh, so I, I, have a, yeah, yeah. I have a I have a question to like uh, like actually change <laughs> change topics about something we haven't talked about yet which is um, your bowel movements. Mm. Um, and I'm curious, like, do you, do you have, like, what do your, do what they do your exist? poops look like? Yeah, yeah. So I'm chronically constipated because the motility is so slow in my intestines. Oh, wow. But because I mostly eat liquids, it's also primarily liquid. So I basically have diarrhea and constipation at the same time. Whoa, that's it wild. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really, tra- how does that, like, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's why, I so mean, I've, I constantly have diarrhea and I, I wish I was a little more constipated, but now that I'm hearing you say this, I'm like, maybe I'll just stick to one. That's crazy because I thought, I thought constipation, (laughs) I thought constipation was general, generally like a backup of stool or like that. Like I, I always pictured it as you just being like clogged up, like a person being clogged up, but is constipation not necessarily the fact that there's like too much stuff in there. That's not really, Moving is it is it more about the motility of mm. the sort of mm. intestines in general? Yeah, so it's both. There's um like different kinds of constipation. For me, it's because the muscles of my intestine wall are not pushing things along, so mm. it like poop just sits in there, so and then I have to like, like is push to get it out. Right, because it's like it almost like becomes fossilized. You know what I mean? It's like like if you're like the reason yeah. why the reason why I I'm I'm just Mister Liquid Shits is because. I only have 25% of my colon. Mm. So like, like there's not enough, there's not enough time in the colon. The colon is the thing that, that sucks up all the water and makes your poop solid. So I don't, I don't have a colon long enough to do that process. So it just comes out wet. Now, if you, if, if, if your shit's in there for, you know, it's like you got a normal size colon, but it's in there four times as long as it should be. I mean, but Christ, does, but you're you like said, you're just like shitting out crumbled. No, but you said that it, it, you're having diarrhea. So like, why is it not right. forming into like why is the water not being moisture water? So it's because my diet cold. is mostly liquid. If I uh, eat right. solid, so like on a day when I eat like rice or something, um, I will get more like firm stools, right. and then I'm constipated with firm stools. But because my diet's mostly liquid. There's only liquid there. Yeah. 
God, so, bless, God bless you for just fucking going down the road of like, what's your shit look like? Like, give us your. You can ask me anything. <laughs> this is the. This That's why I love nurses. This, this is why nurses uh, are my favorite people. They're like, yeah, poop. Whatever. I, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> not, not to like just totally change. Um, um, I have ADHD, so like this is like yeah. I have a. He bunch wants to of talk about questions. pee now. So, I have a bunch so, of, so go on. No, right? no, Here no we go. even different than pee. <laughs> um, um, I'm curious. I'm curious about relationships. So, mm, in mm. terms of like, like obviously we've talked. Like this sounds like a full time job of like one being a nurse and then also all of the time that you've spent in the hospital or managing, um, your, your illness. Um, what has like, what has, what has it been like trying to, you know, Jared talked about socializing earlier in terms of like forming relationships, whether it's romantically or, or making new friends. Um, what has that been like and how has, how has your disease affected that? Yeah, um, massively affected that. I don't have the time or really the energy to like mm-hmm. seek out new people. I'm currently in a relationship, but we started dating like at a weird time where I, before we found out I have SMAS, which is like super rare. So we didn't know for a while. I thought like the doctors were like, oh, like you had a stomach bug, you're going to get better. And we thought we figured it out. And then there was like a two week period where they're like, yeah, like give it two weeks, you'll get better. So I'm going about life thinking, oh, I'm going to get better in a week or so. Like, it's good. And then I met my current partner and we started dating. And then I promptly had to start texting him. Hey, I'm so sorry. I can't hang out. I have to go to the ER instead. Mm. And he was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> he's like, what? Sort of. Not he's really. Been great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he's been great since learning all of this. Um, and yeah, we've been together for five years now. So that was been a constant. Like, yeah. like when you, when you're, when you're like, when you were going to the ER in the, in those like early days <laughs> of dating and you were texting him those things, like, what was it, what was going through your head, um, in terms of like, obviously, you know, like when you're, when you're starting a new relationship, like you're, you want to put your best foot forward and you want to like, you know, show the person that you're interested and you care and you want to like make an impression with them. Um, but like, obviously you're dealing with something that's really you, like requires you to give your full attention to yourself first. Um, yeah. How did it feel to like try to navigate those two things at the same time? Um, very difficult. He was super chill. And the moment that I knew that it was going to be like a long-term thing and that he was cool with it all was when I went to his house, I was I'm so sorry. I'm really sick. And then I had to like throw up in his bathroom three times. This was like a few weeks into knowing each other. Oh yeah. And he was so cool about it. He's like, no, like if you're not feeling well, take a nap, whatever. <laughs> and so, and I've since, you know, thrown up on him once or twice. <laughs> and he's like, whatever, I'll just take he's a like, shower. He's like, I like it. I kind of <laughs> like it a little too much. <laughs> <laughs> we've, uh, we've, we've talked about how, like, I, I do think that there is a, a silver lining to these situations in the, in the sense that we've talked about this a bunch, but like, yeah. like what a great filter, you know? Yeah, like, totally. Like mm-hmm. if the person yeah. was not supportive in that situation, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, major red You're flag. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, so it is, you know, a blessing. Yeah. In some aspects. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. There, there's a lot of people there. Yeah. There's a, you know, we know this from conversations we've had on, on this podcast and, and, you know, some other projects that we've been working on, but like, there's a lot of people out there that aren't in the same position as you and, and are living with like, you know, an illness or a disability and just have the fucking hardest time 
finding somebody out there who's like willing to accept them for who they are or at the place that they are at in their life. And so, you know, when I hear, when I hear, um, a story like that of yours of, you know, being able to find a partner in the early stages of this and they stuck through and you're still together today. It's like, I mean, that's, there, there, that's a really beautiful thing to hear. And, and I'm sure, I'm sure it's not lost on you and that, and that, you know, you're, you see that and, and, you know, appreciate that. And I think it's, it's fuck that's fucking awesome. Like good for you guys. It's, that's so wonderful Mm. to hear that there's, that there's people out there that struggle health wise in big, big ways like yourself, yet still there is the possibility out there that you can find that person who's willing to be by your side when you're fucking throwing up in their toilet and, (laughs) and, you know, having to, having to ruin it and all the, all the pillows and and good sheets with the TPM (laughs) spilling all over it. Um, Yeah. I want to ask one one more question before we start to wrap it up, but uh, I'm a, I'm like a a big fan of hacks and uh, like when you can find like a cool or unique or easy way to, um, to like, Make a tough situation. Yes, Brian. We know what a hack easier. is, Brian. Fuck. <laughs> so, so, I'm I'm curious, like like in in having uh, you know pick line in and and doing TPN for the last four years. Like, what is the what is the best like hack or trick you've learned to um, getting your nutrition and you know like taking care of your pick line and things like that? Um. Well, I have hacks for eating baby food i don't know if that is oh yeah that's a great hack yeah of course (laughs) yeah so because it's like pureed and mushy i can tolerate it a little better but baby food doesn't taste great so i have a couple of hacks one is fruit is always better than vegetables totally if you have to have vegetable baby food season it because it baby food is completely unseasoned not even any salt so season it like you would that thing so if you get like um baby food peas i like to mix it with chicken broth and make like kind of a pea soup but you could Mm. put seasoning on there um Mm. i can't tolerate fat so i can't do like olive oil and stuff but you could totally put that in there and like heat it up right and um yeah so that and then also less ingredients is better because the more things you start throwing together the more the taste starts to get kind of gross so stick to like three ingredients max if you can that's a really Those are my good, hacks for baby food. That's great. That's a good. That's a really good. I feel like lesson. we should. I feel like Taylor should start doing that for Zaya. I know. Poor yeah. thing. Yeah, she's just eating un un fucking like unflavored, unflavored unsalted. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. You know what? Though, I, Come on, Kyla. It's a it's a good point. I th- I feel like we can all <laughs> learn something from this though in terms of like the ingredients thing because I I I always make the mistake when I'm making like sauces at home where like I'm like trying to make something to like make my chicken or pasta or something tastes better and like be unique and be creative but i always mix too many things together There's a, and then it, yeah. it's like the flavor is brown you know it's like when yeah. you mix like you mix red and yellow and you get orange and like what a what a beautiful color yeah. even though i don't fucking like orange that much but like if you start mixing like like green with it and yeah. blue with it yeah. and then then all of a sudden you have brown what the and fuck just, are you putting in your sauces dude yeah no. <laughs> jesus christ uh, too many flavors it's really just that's a simple sure. equation but, I, but that's my biggest <laughs> takeaway from the this base? episode you want to add a little bit of vinegar <laughs> and a little bit of salt dude that's it <laughs> fucking that's it blue and green what are you putting in there <laughs> fucking making pasta and putting in blueberries and fucking apples what the fuck oh, no, too many analogies at the same time <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, well, Maggie, I got to say, I mean, you know, fuck, it really sucks. It really sucks what you're going through. But, um, but there's something, there's something really miraculous about having a conversation with someone who's going through something so challenging, yet you're, you're, you're doing it in, in what, you know, I mean, we've only known you for an hour, but it really seems like you have this, this positive attitude, you know, you're doing what you can you're get you're getting through taking it day after day and you know there's something really really valiant about that and we really appreciate you not only coming on to to you know share with us uh all of your all of your health woes but but also just being a complete open book and 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 being down to do it in in such a an open and gracious way um you are i mean you know maggie this i you are the ideal sick boy guest, and I'm so glad that we had an opportunity to, to to have you on the show. So thank you so much for taking time in your schedule to sit down and chat on your vacation. Yeah, on your fucking vacation, <laughs> because this has been uh, this has been very sweet. Well, thank you for having me. I had a lot of fun, and thanks yeah. for not being grossed out by my weird body thing. <laughs> or not. Oh, <laughs> If only we had time for me to tell you about my weird body stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we, we get it. Okay, hold on. I, 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 just kidding. We're, we didn't go anywhere. Just hold on. We, did, we, we, we were just having a quick chat before when, 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 when the recording wrapped. We'll keep this really quick. But we didn't cover the fact that, A, Maggie had surgery. We didn't even talk about also, that. Also, by the way, just to pull back the curtains a little bit, like oftentimes, I mean, we get so excited in conversations like this when we're having fun with people like Maggie that like it's we really hard we're supposed to, to remember to talk about the thing <laughs> that we're here to talk about. It's so, There's yeah, a lot so, to cover. So, so, we, so, we wouldn't be able to get it all anyway. So like j- like after we wrapped, we were asking a bunch more questions, yeah, and, yeah. and we were asking, which is typical about, of us every you know, every recording. Like like, could you do this? Yeah. And could you do that? And could you have the surgery? But, so so we'll talk about the surgery in a second. But but Maggie, tell us about how you got diagnosed. The day you got diagnosed. This is so fascinating. Yeah. So it was the stars aligned. Because I had a doctor's appointment, not with my GI doctor, for with my rheumatologist for psoriatic arthritis, totally different. I was very sick. I had lost weight, but I didn't know I lost weight because I didn't own a scale. So my doctor's like, oh, you're having all these GI issues and you can't eat. Did you lose weight? And I said, I don't know. I don't weigh myself. I don't have a scale. So I got on the scale. She's like, you're very underweight. You may need to be admitted to the hospital. And I didn't want to go. But she's like, I'll call your GI doctor and we'll see what he thinks. He was like, yeah, go to the ER. I'm at the hospital. I'll meet you there. So he comes over and he goes, I think I know. And I was like, great. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, it's not common, but I think you might have superior mesenteric artery syndrome because it was the awareness day. And he had years ago had a patient who had it. And unfortunately, that was a patient that was like in her 80s, had cancer. They just did palliative treatment. So he didn't know how to treat it, but he could diagnose it. And that's how I got diagnosed on the awareness day. I just, I want to just say how fucking wild is it that this doctor was like aware that it was the awareness day? Like, <laughs> like when, yeah. there's so many, there's so many awareness days. There are, there are awareness days for everything and it's every day. And the fact yep. that he was like, well, it just so happens to be some smash awareness it's funny day because today. Awareness days are like, are like so important. That's a good doctor. And at the same time, like, just like for often, oftentimes, because there are so many, just get like sort of just brushed under the rug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. the fact that that did actually lead to basically that person being reminded that like, oh, that this this thing exists, and this is yeah. probably what you have. Yeah, I mean, fuck, high five that doctor if yeah. you ever see him again because that is oh, cool. he's that's, great. I love that's him. amazing. That's amazing. Okay, so and then so then you 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 ended up having surgery, 
for it. Yeah. And so what is that surgery? What was the what was the intent? And obviously it didn't fucking work. So what what happened? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple of different surgical approaches you can do for SMAS. Um, the one that I had that is the most common one is an intestinal bypass. So they basically create a shortcut in your intestine Whoa. to go from before the like partial blockage to after. So that food doesn't go through that partially blocked area anymore. Um, That's it's, crazy. It doesn't always work for people. It's like for me, it didn't river. work. <laughs> it's like a new path <laughs> on the lazy river. Went, you know what? Let's, 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 the lazy just, river. let's just carve out another fucking part of forest here and <laughs> yeah. connect the river yeah. this way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right, Bri. You're right. Yeah, but it took a long time to find a a doctor who knew about SMAS and could do surgery for it, and B who would um, come anywhere near me because they were like, "You're so sick. You got rare <laughs> stuff. I don't understand." Get out of my office. I'm not doing surgery on you. <laughs> but I finally found one. He was great. He was like, I'm so sorry it didn't work. But he was, And so he do was you know why nice do you know why it didn't work? Like what was the So it sometimes SMA surgery either doesn't work or it works for a little while and then the symptoms come back. And we don't mm. really know why, to my knowledge. Um, but also because I have the other GI stuff like gastroparesis and intestinal dysmotility, right. they're kind of like, well. You solved one problem, but you still got these. Even, yeah, so it even could if be it either works, one of them. right? Even if it worked, yeah. you're still there's still like you've just got such lazy guts that it's not gonna. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Wow. Well, uh, uh, sorry, folks, for the false ending there. Uh, we've we've <laughs> we've come full circle and we're back at a second ending. So we, here we, we go. Promise Thanks. to be better <laughs> in the future and be more present and yeah, asking right, questions. Good right. question. And they, that hard hitting <laughs> journalism that you know that we aspire to. <laughs> Be. From a bunch of fucking <laughs> ding dongs that don't even know what journalism means. Germalism. Um, what a journalism. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Sorry, Maggie. Maggie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out chatting and uh hey you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want you can again find that link in the show notes below sick boy podcast is produced and co-host by myself jeremy saunders taylor mcgilvery and brian stever the show is managed by jeffrey lonis over at talent bureau the sound design of this episode is brought to you by donovan the cpap morgan and of course the theme music is from the band take part that is it for this week i'm jeremy and this is sick boy For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.